last week, we started in on the, the last bits of the Sermon on the Mount, sort of the conclusion where Jesus is starting to wrap everything up. And it's kind of marked by these two ways. Uh, and we're talking here about two types of fruit. And next week, we're going to talk some about two types of foundations. Uh, if you remember last week, we were talking about Jesus. He's saying, talking about a narrow gate and a rough way. Um, there's two gates. There's the wide gate, which most of the world seems to be walking. And then there's this narrow gate, which is through Jesus himself, walking this narrow path of following him. Um, it still strikes me, uh, even still after uh, a week or two of working through that and digesting it, just how stark the two ways are. Jesus gives us one decision, two options and one decision which we, in our time, we're looking way, we're looking for lots of options, lots of different variables, and Jesus just gives us two, one decision. This week, Jesus divides the, the narrow way that he was talking about last week even further between faithful teachers and false teachers. And he calls us to watch out for false teachers. And teachers, uh, Tracy pointed out, me actually has an A in it. So, um, not my strong suit, details, more Tracy's department, so Tetris. She, she's really great. She was like, you know, this is a great kind of uh, mnemonic device, you know, false Tetris. There's no such thing, so that is false. Uh, so, yeah. She thought it was pretty fitting. I thought it was pretty embarrassing. Um, we'll get some more about the mistakes that uh, teachers make, and so we'll get into that in a minute. But I was thinking about this some about how this week, about um, the idea of teaching and where it comes from is kind of a, a growing issue in our time, or is more complicated maybe in our time, because we're exposed to so many more teachers, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or the internet. I mean, you can, the sky's the limit. Literally millions of different teachers that you could be listening to. And so we need to be careful or take, uh, give some attention to how we take in teaching. How, what do we measure it against? Or how do we know good teaching from bad teaching? Maybe some of you want to know because you are growing in faith and you're learning. You're just even new to faith and you're wondering, you know, how do I know when I'm getting good teaching? Teaching that is teaching me how to follow Jesus more faithfully. Uh, the reason why is because faith, or sorry, the, what we know or what we're taught shapes our faith and our faith shapes the way we live. So all of it fits together. Not only that, um, but how do I know if a, if a leader or if a teacher is teaching me the right things? So these are great questions, questions that Jesus knew that we would have, issues that he knew that we would face. And so this morning, Jesus is going to teach us some about that. If you want to, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20. Just in your bulletin if you want, or if you want to open up your Bible, that's even better. Let's jump into this passage and see what Jesus has for us this morning. Jesus begins with these words. He says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. All right, there's a couple key things here in this passage to draw out. First of all, these, these prophets or these teachers that come, they have an intent. They have actually a malicious or a deceptive intent. Okay? So that's key. They, they act like sheep. They dress like sheep, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus is talking about a teacher here whose intent is to mislead and mistreat. Okay, so it's specific. Not only that, they come to teach you that their way is the right way uh, to lead in deception. It's hard because 
the teaching is probably going to sound somewhat logical or even close to what sounds true. Because the thing is, it has to be sort of believable for it to be deceptive, right? If it's nonsense or if it's crazy talk, it's not very tempting to believe it or trust it. But uh, the intent to deceive here is important because it rules out a faithful teacher who gets it wrong. That's a different category. That's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Because there are well-meaning teachers who don't mean to mistreat, who don't mean to mislead or deceive, and yet maybe teach the wrong thing. So there's two different categories, all right? Because there's people, and I know that I have done this, make a mistake in in teaching. And so if someone is making a mistake in their teaching, and we as a group come together and we say, you know, this doesn't sound right, and if they're willing to be uh, corrected, then great. If it's a mistake in conduct, maybe uh, a teacher that you know who does the wrong thing, maybe they have a moment where they make the wrong decision. There's the right thing and the wrong thing and they choose the wrong thing. Or maybe it's even a pattern and you come to them and I see this pattern growing in you. A teacher who is faithful will receive that, repent, and begin following Jesus again and change. So Jesus here, I want to make this point. It's just, he's making a very, he's talking about a specific group of false teacher. A teacher who is coming with the intent to deceive. Who's trying to look one way while they have a different intent. Alright, so this is a deceptive situation. The next thing Jesus gives instruction, he says, by their fruit we will recognize them. And then he says this, he says, do people pick grapes from thorn thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So this is all, this is like kind of three different ways of saying a very similar thing, is that you will know a tree or a teacher by their fruit. Okay? The fruit always follows the tree. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. But what about a teacher, for example, who has a mix of fruit? You know, sometimes there's good things and then sometimes you see and just blow it or they get stuff wrong. Um, I think about this even myself. (laughs) You know, I still feel like I have a lot to learn about following Jesus. And I know that sometimes I get it wrong. And I was thinking about it even this last week, and it's pretty convicting, that there are things that I've taught in the past that I would teach differently now. I think the bad fruit here means people who are, again, maliciously, deceptively trying to mislead. All right? This is intentional, malicious fruit. Intentionally misleading people, knowing that you're misleading them on purpose. I think that's the sort of fruit that is bad here. Because a good person may make mistakes, but they won't intentionally mislead. They won't intentionally try to deceive you. Okay? So we're kind of trying to narrow in on what Jesus is talking about in terms of fruit. Then Jesus says this. He says, uh, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And this sense here is, uh, I was thinking about this week, whether you're a teacher or even a follower of Jesus, just generally. Um, if If we're a bad tree, if we're putting off bad fruit, those sort of trees get cut down. And this idea of being thrown into the fire has this, this idea of being destroyed. And it's the idea that um, runs throughout the Gospels of, of hell, of fire, of burning. And so there's this steep consequence uh, for bad fruit, for bad teaching. 
Then finally, Jesus closes off this. He says this again. He says, thus by their fruit you will recognize. And I just want to point out that these two phrases here, they are the top and the bottom. They're the bookends of this teaching from Jesus. You will know them by their fruit. That's the point that he is trying to make. So what exactly is Jesus talking about with fruit? I was reading in John's Thoughts uh, commentary, and he points out Galatians 5, 22 to 23. He talks about where Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit are things like this, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are fruit of the Spirit. And this is a really great start for fruit of a faithful teacher. So you see how a teacher is not just what they teach, but also their character, how they act. First, you want to pay attention to that. Not that somebody's going to be perfect all the time. I mean, I think of some of you, uh, people I know who are extremely faithful, um, amazing character. Still, if, you, if I were to ask you, I'm sure you would say, you know, sometimes I still blow it. Sometimes I still make mistakes. But the thing here, or the key here, is consistency. Consistently living out these fruits, these fruit of the Spirit. And so when a teacher produces bad fruit that we need to watch out, if a person claims to have a word from God, but you see bad fruit, watch out. Fruits, bad fruit, are things like unloving, angry, divisive, impatient, someone who's vindictive, Someone who's self-serving rather than who is good. Someone who's hypocritical rather than faithful. They say one thing and they do another. Or someone who's just plain rough or out of control. These are the fruits or the bad fruits. This This is the fruit that comes from the bad tree. These are the teachers that you need to watch out for. Character is someone's track record. It's their consistent behaviors and how they speak and that connection with how they live. All right. Secondly, you want to pay attention to actual teaching. All right? So here's some things about false teachers. These are some things to watch for. You want to watch for that insecure teacher who's seeking pride, who's saying things like, um, and I've heard people say this, um, who say, like, I'm kind of like I'm the last true Christian there is. Everybody else is wrong, and I've got it right. You should listen to me. I always, when someone claims themselves to be a prophet, for me, that's a pretty immediate red flag. Uh, and the tricky thing is, when someone claims to be a prophet and you say, nah, I don't think so, it's hard because prophetically, our prophets have a history of being rejected. And so that's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that they, they tend to think like, oh, well, you're rejecting me. So that proves to me even more that I am a prophet. And so it can be really difficult when someone is convinced they're a prophet to talk them out of it. More often than not, I find that sometimes people who claim to be prophets are just socially awkward, and they have a hard time with people, and so they grab onto that name, prophet, as a way to explain it. And then sometimes they come with questionable teachings, things that you think like, that doesn't sound quite right. And when you ask them about it, they get frustrated because you're not faithful, you don't get it, you're not a, not a prophet like them. And so when people call themselves prophet, I think it's maybe just an easy way rather than admitting that they are misguided or just awkward around people. So we need to pay attention when people come teaching to try and bolster their pride or their sense of worth. That's a troubling, that's a red flag. The next thing you want to watch out for 
are people pleasing, uh, people who are pleasing, trying to seek everyone's approval, overemphasizing God's love and omitting his justice. Now, I think we have to be careful because we do. Like God is loving and God is amazingly gracious, miraculously gracious in our lives, but he is also just and holy. And so we need to hold those two together. This sort of bad teaching or bad teacher will tell people what they want to hear. Now, thinking about this, as in its, um, he was a, a teacher in the second century when the church was still just forming, and uh, his name was Marcion. Uh, he was a he was a heretical teacher, and he taught actually that the Old Testament was an old angry God, and the New Testament was a new loving God, and the two uh, were not the same, and that God, Jesus, was so loving that it didn't matter what you did. And so what happened was the people who began following Marcion, uh, they, they didn't follow Jesus. They, they, they kind of this idea that it doesn't matter what I do, how, much, how many wrong things I do, it doesn't matter because God is loving and he'll just forgive me. And so they took it to the extreme. The other thing too is this idea that it, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. And even if it did... God is so loving that he'll just look the other way and it doesn't matter. That is not the truth. And that is not the gospel. It reminds me of the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, He was a prophet in the 7th century B.C., so a long time ago, uh, when when uh, Judah, the lower, the southern kingdom, was uh, falling to foreign forces. Uh, He was talking about the prophets of his day, and how they were false prophets because they kept telling people what they wanted to hear. No, don't change. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Peace, peace. Everything's going to be fine. And Jeremiah is saying these prophets are false because he's hearing from God saying, no, uh, Judah is going to fall. False, te- false prophets are tempting because they say that we can follow Jesus and have the easy way. Thinking about last week, the sermon of two different ways. Jesus' way is narrow and rough. A false prophet is really tempting because they say, you can follow Jesus and then walk the wide, easy, narrow road of unfaith. He's saying you can have both, which just isn't true. So we need to watch out for people-pleasing teachers. The others are the greedy teachers seeking money and power. Um, They'll shift your focus from God's kingdom to things like your health and your wealth and their wealth. <clears throat> They'll just maybe even distract you with uh, emphasis on signs and wonders and experiences above obedience. Now, it's not to say that uh, miraculous things uh, don't happen, or it's not to say that I, like for example, I'm pretty excited when miraculous things uh, happen when people are healed. That's amazing, and it's a testimony to God. But when our whole focus gets wrapped up on who was healed or what miracle happened, and we stop following Jesus or even worrying about obeying him, that's the problem. So we need to keep following Jesus through the narrow gate and along the rough way. Now that's not to say that just because someone's uh, teaching is challenging for us or even upsetting for us that it's wrong. We need to make that point. There's a difference between unorthodox teaching and challenging teaching. So if someone is teaching us and we get really defensive, really angry, we need to ask ourselves, am I angry because I'm convicted Or am I angry or am I defensive because what they're teaching isn't consistent with Scripture? We need to keep asking that question. We need to carefully check what our motives are. Another thing, too, is someone comes with a new explanation for something. 
We've been reading a text that maybe for years or maybe our whole life we've heard it explained one way. And then a teacher will come and they will explain it a new way. And we have to be careful with that because sometimes it might actually be really good and or sometimes it might be wrong. But we, wanted, we don't want to just dismiss it out of hand because it's different. We want to see, does it make sense? Is it logical? Does it fit with other scriptures around it? So just because something's new doesn't mean that it's wrong. So I just wanted to say those two caveats, those two kind of exceptions as we think about uh, a false teacher. So there's things that we can watch out for in false teaching, but what sort of fruit can we watch for to know when it's good teaching? I think this is a helpful question for us. What sort of things, what kind of good fruit are we looking for? Here are some fruit of good teachers. A good teacher is humble, seeking to serve everyone else. A false prophet is in it for their own gain. A good teacher is in it for your growth. Listen to that again. A false prophet is in it for their own gain, whether it's power or pride or money. They're in it for their gain. But a good teacher is in it for your growth. They're teaching because they want to see you grow as followers of Jesus. A secure teacher is okay to be corrected and not be defensive. They're free to be confident in what they believe, but also willing to, to, um, to be wrong, willing to hear that that is a better uh, explanation or the thing that I was teaching, I can see now how it wasn't right. A teacher also, a good teacher is humble. They love you enough to speak the truth in love, but they will do it humbly, not arrogantly or proud, but they will come to encourage you or even say hard things because it's true, but they'll say it out of love. So, sorry, a good teacher is humble. <clears throat> a good teacher is faithful to Jesus, keeps the focus on Jesus and his kingdom, absolutely praises, God's thing, praises, God, praises God for things like signs and wonders, but doesn't let the church or us get distracted by them, devoted to serving God's kingdom and not their own. A good teacher is about God's kingdom, not how can they build up their own kingdom, their own power, their own wealth. <clears throat> a good teacher uh, will teach about money because scripture teaches about money, but they won't teach about money to make themselves wealthy or to tell you to give more to themselves. A good teacher won't do that. So a good teacher is humble, faithful to Jesus, and follows the word of God. It's committed to the word of God as a plumb line or a way to know what their teaching is true. Interpretation of their, or their interpretation of Scripture fits well with the rest of Scripture. Not only that, but it fits well with what's traditionally been taught in the church. Now, that's not to say that it always fits exactly, but that's the place it, fit, it starts with, is tradition. Tradition of the church. Um, you know, we have 2,000 years of faithful followers of Jesus who've given this Bible, this Word of God, some thought. And so it's a great place to start with listening to what they had to say. What sort of insight can they bring? A good place for us too, as, uh, as in our church, is to follow the look for teachers who happen to be also evangelical because they will approach Scripture very similar to the way that we do. But, it's also, but that's not to say that other traditions can't uh, provide faithful interpretations. Uh, even Catholic scholars, even Orthodox scholars, um, we can listen to them because there are some things that can be helpful for us. So a good teacher is faithful to Jesus, uh, follows the word of God, and, uh, oh, sorry, follows the word of God. So these are just some of the fruits. 
But that means that we have some work to do as a church. That it's up to us to know good fruit. <clears throat> now this is where it kind of comes back to us. Okay, back to you. You have the responsibility as a church to keep growing in the knowledge of Jesus and studying God's word. You have a responsibility in this. And what I mean by this, because without biblical knowledge, without understanding of God's word, if we're not spending time reading this and learning about him, uh, it becomes very easy for us to be misled. Because if we don't know, it's hard to say whether that's right or wrong. See, that's the thing. Bad teaching, it's, it's tempting because it sounds right. Without knowing scripture, you might say, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's why it's tempting. Or even uh, if we don't know Scripture, things can be hard to discern. The thing also I want to say is we can't just outsource this. We can't just say, well, I'm going to rely on my pastor or I'm going to rely on my favorite Bible teacher to just tell me what to think. We can't do that either. We all need to be growing in faith, growing in our understanding. Now, I'm not saying that we you know, need to be New Testament scholars. That's not my point. You don't all have to go and do your uh, PhD in biblical or New Testament studies or biblical studies. You don't have to do that. But as a church, collectively, corporately, together, we need to keep growing in our knowledge so that together we can discern uh, teaching, that we can discern good teaching and bad teaching. Now I realize as I'm talking about this that time is an issue. I, I look out there and I know you and I also know myself and my own uh, issue with this is that we tend to be really busy. We fill our lives up. If we've got a spare moment, we fill them up. We have so much going on. But we do need to devote some time, to cut out some time, to carve out time, to spend time reading God's word, studying it, learning it. Now, I'm also grateful because uh, discerning teaching, a good teacher or a bad teacher, that's not just up to you, any one of you individually. So, Tracy, it's not just up to you to do this for the whole church. It's up to all of us together to stay in conversations, to keep talking, to keep encouraging, to keep growing in our knowledge of the word of God and faith. So it's on all of us. That's pretty encouraging, that it's not up to any one of us individually. It's responsibility of all of us together. I say this because it's important the type of church that we are. Because the type of church that we are will shape the type of teachers that we welcome. All right? So if we don't know the word of God as a church, collectively, it becomes really easy for someone to come in and start mistreating us deceiving us with this new teaching or a different teaching or something that might even say this is finally the right teaching and be misled. Faith, churches that are faithful to the word of God where everybody's growing, those churches are hard to mislead. Another thing too is we have to be careful that we aren't preferring uh, secular ideals over the word of God, which I see churches falling for even today. Maybe even a temptation for us at times. The, the secular world around us, certain ideals that, you know, that sounds really good or that sounds really smart. We have to be careful that we don't trade that for the word of God. Or we don't put that above the word of God. It's really tempting when you have someone who's saying that the gate, that narrow gate, don't worry about that. Just take the wide gate and the easy road. It wouldn't be so bad or Jesus wouldn't even have to even talk about it if it weren't so tempting. 
Okay, so we've talked some about what the fruit looks like. We've talked some about our responsibility as a church. What happens? Um, how do we live this out? What does it look like? The first thing I wanted to say is don't obsess over this. Okay? Jesus is saying watch out for, not scour the church for. Okay? My point being is a culture of suspicion, a culture that goes around looking for false teachers, constantly scouring the church for false teachers, is a church that's in trouble. Because it creates a culture of distrust and of speculation. And that's not the sort of thing, that's not healthy for a church. We want to continue to cultivate trust and love and humility in this church. Now, I'm thankful for this church uh, for lots of reasons, but today especially, again, I'm thankful for it because I think we've got a good balance of this. As I thought about you this week and about teaching this and about talking about this, about knowing about how many of you, most of you are involved in some sort of Bible study, and most of you I know are also involved in personal devotion, where you're spending some, like a portion of a day, reading God's Word, and a portion of a week gathering together with other believers to talk about the Word of God. Okay, so I'm encouraged by this. One is that you guys are, you, you understand or you are faithful in growing in God's Word, so you're set up or you're well-positioned uh, to discern teachers. The other thing I'm grateful about this church is how welcoming and hospitable you are. I am grateful. There have been people, friends that um, I know came through these doors thinking like, man, what am I doing in a church? And yet I see you, this church, gather around them, encourage them, and welcome them. And so I'm grateful for that. But there's also people that come here who, you know, think that they are prophets or think that they are uh, specially anointed teachers and that this church has got it all wrong, and yet you are still gracious to them. And I'm grateful for that. You just have to keep uh, discerning how to talk with them and to let them know that what they're teaching isn't right and it doesn't fit with Scripture. And how can we keep in, uh, to, to correct them, to help them? Because the thing is, uh, we want a culture where it's okay to make mistakes. We actually, as a church, want a culture that says it's okay to mess up here. Not okay to be a, a false prophet or a false teacher, but okay if you make a mistake. It's not okay to persist in them, to keep willfully choosing to do it. That's not okay. And we don't want a church uh, that's constantly scouring, looking for false teachers. We want a discerning church, but not a scouring church. Because I was thinking about a, a church that is constantly looking for a false teacher or, or accusing each other of false teaching. All that does is that, I mean, that's just as deadly to a church as a false teacher themselves. So we need to be careful of that. We want to stay in that healthy middle ground that slightly favors trust in grace. Okay, so this is the first thing. Don't obsess, but the next thing is, but watch. Jesus, this is a command from Jesus. Watch. Watch for false teachers. Okay? So, uh, when we see red flags, first thing I want to do is watch for more. Okay? Did I misinterpret that or did I get something wrong? So, are there more red flags? The next thing is to approach that person directly. Speak the truth in love. Seeking to understand them first, maybe it's just a misunderstanding. I've had that experience where someone was teaching something, I thought, man, that does not sound right, and I go and talk with them, and they explain more what they meant, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you meant now, and I, I'm not as troubled. Um, the other thing, too, is seek to restore. So when you're talking with somebody, it's not like, aha, I got you, now you're out of here. It's more like I, had, I was questioning about this, it doesn't seem right, let's talk about it so we can come to the right understanding. 
so we can stay together, so we can uh, uh, work through this. If they respond with gratitude or repentance, great, then, then everything is going well. If they respond with defensiveness, then maybe it's time to take the next step. And that next step is then talk with a leader um, in the church, uh, someone from the SLT, our site leadership team. And then with a the, with the leader, then you start moving slowly and graciously. And this is the key point here together. You know, it's not just, a, hey, I've got a problem with this person and I'm going to go after him. But we start talking, we work together as a church family. This person is teaching something. Uh, this person has come into our community. It's probably more like it. Someone has showed up here and started teaching something that we know is not quite right. How do we as a church respond to that? Okay? So the reason is because our goal is to, uh, to work things out, to the best that we can stick together. Now, as important as that is to us to stick together, ultimately still Jesus and his word is more important to us. So there's sometimes when a person who's coming and their whole intent is to deceive and mislead, that person, as we confront them, say, like, you know what you're teaching isn't right. Oftentimes I've found that that sort of person with that intent, they move on to the next place because they're not trying to grow, they're trying to deceive. Do you see what I'm saying? So... Uh, we'll do our best to encourage them to say, you know, uh, this teaching isn't right, but ultimately we'll let them go if they if they decide that their whole point is trying to mislead people. So <clears throat> just to kind of bring all this together in my embarrassing false touchers slide, um, we're looking for, uh, uh, actually, this this is a good word from Jesus. What he's saying is important for us. And especially in our time with the internet, with Facebook, YouTube, I mean, there are millions of different places you could get um, biblical teaching. And some of it is really good, and some of it is horribly wrong. Okay? So we need to watch the fruit. And that's the tricky thing. Like, for example, with the, with the internet, it's really difficult to see fruit. Because people can portray an image or teach things on the internet, and you have no idea what their life is like. Okay? So, but we need to watch the fruit. And we talk some about what that fruit looks like. Joy, peace, patience, love, um, self-control. Those sort of fruits that we talked about. Um, talked about a, the fruit of a good teacher is humility. These are the important ones. One, that they are humble. Two, that they follow Jesus, like they're devoted to him. And three, is that they follow the word of God, that their teaching lines up with the word of God. But that doesn't mean that it's just on one or two people. It's on all of us. It's our responsibility as a church to be growing in the word of God, to be growing in our understanding so that we will know false teaching if or when it comes through the doors. And the last part of this is that, the last part is this, is that we don't obsess about it. I don't want us to start going into like kind of, you know, reading each other's mail or anything like that. We don't need to obsess about it. We just need to keep watch. So this is uh, Jesus teaching for us and he defies the way again. So before he divided the, the, the wide gate and the wide road, that's the narrow road uh, and his narrow gate and his rough way. And now he's taken that rough, narrow way that few people find, and he divides it again and saying there are false teachers who are bringing, and you can know them by their fruit, and there are good teachers. And so we are after good teaching on this rough and narrow way. This, next, uh, this is uh, Jesus teaching for us today to be mindful of this can't wait for next week as we start talking about what this looks like in our lives as we live this uh, out and we do what Jesus says and make our lives on his good uh, foundation. Amen.